Welcome to Confessions from a Dental Lab. This show is all about bringing you into the lab, beneath the surface, so you can see things, hear things, and understand things right from the source. Learn from longtime ceramists, dentists, and lab techs, both young and old. Without further ado, let's begin. Dr. Hassan Selecki, welcome to the show. How you doing? Good, good. Thank you for having me, KJ. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. I know we've been looking forward to this for a long time because you are definitely one of the most unique dentists I know. But furthermore, you're one of the most inspiring people I know because you embody the phrase work hard, play hard. And, and just, you know, you're, you're I just I can't even hold it in. But Dr. Hassan Selecki is actually uh, I think you're the only person I know who's been to all seven continents. Mm. And <laughs> And, and honestly, man, that's just such an inspiration. So because at the same time, you're, you know, you're a hardworking dentist and you really have, have managed to find a great balance between truly living life to the fullest and also helping patients with their smile. So we're really excited to have you on. And, and this is Confessions from a Dental Lab, the show that takes you beneath the surface. You can just learn things right from the source and, and get a little bit better by listening to these episodes. So first question, Dr. Hassan, uh, could you introduce yourself, like who you are and what you do? Yeah, so uh, I'm a dentist at my uh, office is in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. I'm uh, originally from Iran. I was born there and I moved to United States uh, when I was 20 years old. <coughs> And uh, yeah, and my first stop was Milwaukee. Did my undergrad in University of Wisconsin in Milwaukee and went to dental school at Marquette and uh, found a job here and uh, stayed in Milwaukee. So yeah. 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 Um, did, you, did you know it was gonna be Milwaukee? Like, did you, you, did you have some fam here or did you just kind of end up in Milwaukee? Uh, well, so the reason that my first step was Milwaukee was that uh, I had an uncle uh, who lived in Milwaukee, so that's why uh, uh, my first stop was here, and my uncle actually was a dentist, and uh, he uh, he was a professor at Marquette University. He used to teach uh, oral pathology in, uh, at Marquette, but uh, when I moved here, uh, I was actually not interested in dentistry at all. I was studying uh, engineering, so I was an engineering student. I had like two years of engineering, so that was my path. But um, it all changed when uh, I needed to, uh, you know, find a job. And uh, through my uncle, a friend of a friend, uh, I got a job as a dental assistant uh, for a, a a very famous uh, periodontist in town, uh, and then when I started working there, then everything changed. And I'm like, oh my god, this is a different world. This is uh, very cool. I mean, not a lot of people think that. Oh, you gotta work inside somebody's mouth. I don't yeah. think, oh, that's cool. But like, I'm like, oh no, this is really cool. Yeah, and and I think furthermore. It's like you, you see some of the people who are dentists and, and they're very successful. And so um, even if you like the trade, it's I think deep down everyone has a desire to be successful. So whether it was the engineering route or whether it was the dentist route and now, you know, from young Asan to now the Asan you are today, I think that you're ending up in a place that young Asan would be proud of. And uh, yeah, just pretty cool to hear about because I didn't know that backstory. 
Um, so that kind of led into our second question. I just want to ask, like, how long have you been practicing dentistry for? And then could you expand a bit on your dental journey up to this point? Uh, yeah, so uh, I graduated uh, about 13 years ago. So I've been in practice in about 13 years now. And uh, I, the first couple of years, uh, I was just uh, trying uh, to find what I want to do as a dentist. Because again, like I, even when I went to dental school, I didn't know exactly what type of dentist I would want to be when I graduated. So I dabbled in like in a few different types of practice. I practiced in a, you know, a... Uh, public health setting I for a few months I've practiced in a very busy uh, uh, state insurance practice for a few months I practiced in a, uh, a suburban uh, dental practice and I also practiced in a very urban setting type of practice for a few months and I was like it was the first time that I was working like, you know, seven days, seven days a week in yeah. a row for, you know, a few weeks in a row. But then eventually I'm like, okay, like what I figured out what I want to do. And, uh, then an opportunity arise. I started, uh, working with this, uh, uh, dentist in Oak Creek as an associate. And then, uh, we really clicked very well. So after a few years, he was ready to retire. So I bought his practice and hired a new associate, and, and uh, that's the story. It's super interesting. A couple of quick follow-ups. Like, what do you remember about the dentist when you were growing up in a different country? And, and could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, so growing up in a different country, first of all, um, I didn't see a dentist until I was probably 15 16 years old yeah because usually um or at least at that time back in the day uh it's you don't go to a dentist unless you have a toothache so uh, like the that uh, preventative care or whatever it's not as uh you know uh uh nobody uh, nobody tells you that kind of stuff like back there so it's not yeah. a thing so yes i go to a dentist when i was 15 years old for the first time and obviously i had so much build up on my mouth and then like i had like a bunch of cavities so like when the hygienist was cleaning my teeth it was a bloodbath oh my god <laughs> it was it was it was crazy so then so i had a um kind of a bad experience which Heard Partially. that before. Uh -huh. Heard that before. Yeah. I mean, but uh, but to me, it wasn't that, like, I got, you know, afraid of dentists. It was just bad personally because I felt like, all right, this should, I mean, like, why? I mean, like, so I, then I knew, okay, like, I did something wrong mm. that my mouth is kind of like that. So then I realized, okay, like, I got to take, you know, more steps. And, and you know, like, at that point, I'm like only a 15-year-old kid. So you don't yeah. know any better. So, um uh, so yeah, so, so that was my first experience uh, at a dental office. It was a little, uh, yeah, a little different. Yeah, and Asan, just quick follow up to that. Like, you know how there's dental offices pretty much everywhere these days, and, uh -huh. and at least the the, you know, the areas like that we're in right now, kind of we're recording this right outside of Milwaukee. Um, 
were there was it kind of like where there was only like one or two dental practices and they were more in like the cities back in Iran or like no you... I mean like I, I I grew up in Tehran which is a big city and uh, no it wasn't that it was just the I guess like back in the day like you know this is so I'm talking about like you know 30 years ago like in Iran so uh, obviously so like you know talking to my parents even though they were you know great about a lot of things but the education the public education wasn't there that okay just like you know you take your uh, kid to a uh, you know, the pediatrician to make sure, like, you know, the kid is healthy, this and that, or do, like, you know, all these extracurricular activities for them. Like, dental health is part of that, too. So you got to yeah. make sure, you know, you take your kids. So so I think that was the part that was kind of lacking back back in the day. So it wasn't that there was access to no dentists. It was just, like, from the education part of it. Just you, would, a gap you would think, there. okay, you only go to dentist when you have a toothache. Hmm. Yeah, you don't just do that preemptive. Yeah, preemptive. Yeah, like you're saying. Yeah. Preventative. Obviously, things have changed now, but but yeah, this is like back in the days. So, no, I mean yeah. it's fascinating to hear about because you know not every day we get to host someone with your background on the show. So next question. This is kind of fun. Actually, I, I, before we get into this, I want to ask you a little bit more. As much as you want to share, because there there are a few dentists we've talked to that are all ages. And some of them will be in dental school, whether it's like at Marquette, you know, University of Louisville, Kentucky Dental School, stuff like that. Um, and they, you know, have dreams of being a dentist one day. And I think they, you obviously have to work your way up into that. And I've I've also talked to a few dentists who, you know, have, have bought in their own practice, but I've never really gotten into this. Like, could you, as much as you want to share, and you don't have to share certain details if you don't want to, but like, can you tell us about what it was like, like, buying the practice you know because because mm-hmm. it's just a fascinating topic yeah. and i think dentists would love to uh learn more yeah about and it. i think uh you're touching on a very good subject because now we know um the whole dental industry is changing hmm. uh, a lot of corporates uh dentistry i mean like it's becoming more and more prevalent uh, the dental school debt for, you know, graduating dentists is skyrocketing. hear that a lot. Yeah. So, so a lot of people who are graduating from dental school now, they're like, they think, oh, I have like, you know, $400,000 of student loans. Maybe I shouldn't open up my own practice. Just, you know, get a job at this corporate office. Just, you know, do my eight to five and you know, just call it that. Um, so we, that's the trend that we're seeing more and more, which to me, it's very sad because, uh, to be honest, the main reason that I wanted to, you know, I decided that I want to get into, you know, uh, dentistry was, uh, well, obviously, yes, you see the impact that you can do, like, you know, for your patients, you know, change their lives and everything, but you can do that in, you know, some other professions too. So to me, that wasn't the main goal. The main goal was that, all right, I can do that. I have, I can have an impact, but I can also be my own boss. So that was at the, you know, at the very beginning, that was a very important thing to me to be my own boss because dentistry was a perfect profession for it because you can work as hard as you want or as little as you want, yeah. however you want. So uh so yeah 
but uh, back into your question, I was on the same boat too. So uh, I had, you know, uh, up until like you know a few years back, you know, I had about quarter million dollars student loans debt, and uh, yeah, when and I wasn't actually really thinking, you know too far in advance you know about you know buying a practice or anything i knew at some point it would happen i thought that was like you know further down the road i don't know 10 15 years because honestly i didn't 20, think 20s when that happened or, or early 30s yes yeah, so uh so yeah so i was uh so i bought that practice when i was uh you know in 2017 so i was seven years out of school and uh so yeah, and I was, you know, 30, 33 years old maybe. Okay. But yeah, so but I I thought it it was not possible. And I was thinking, you know, putting everything, you know, like okay, like it's going to be later in life, but then one day uh Dr. Kester comes in and is like, "You know what? I think I'm ready to retire." I thought like, you know, it was going to be like 5 years down the road, but I think now it's the time. And I'm like, "Uh-oh. Uh okay." How am I gonna come up with like you know a million dollars to buy this practice? There's no way like yeah. somebody is gonna give me that money, uh, and I don't have any savings or anything, especially with my lifestyle that I love to travel all the time. We'll get into that. Yeah. So, but but I talked to a few bankers and uh, and they, all the bankers they all know uh, you know the dental industry. They know it's a very good industry. It's the the risk is very low. And um, so, yeah, so they um, looked into the numbers and everything and they were like, oh, yeah, we give you all that money because it looks like you're a good dentist. This is a good practice. Um, we know for sure you can pay us back. So, and they made it super easy. So if you're thinking about, you know, buying a dental practice or, well, first of all, you should. Yeah. Uh, and second of all. You gotta make sure you have a good team around you, and I did have a good team around me. Like I have a like one of the best you know accountant firms in town, and I had like you know uh, talking to a couple of uh, you know bankers from different banks, and they made it super easy. I didn't have to do anything. They did all the paperwork for me, uh, explain everything how everything would work. I did have a very good you know attorney to you know with the contracts and everything. So review the stuff. Yeah, yeah. So if you have a great team around you. Uh, they will help you in every step of the way and make things super easy and uh, and yeah and, and I, as I said like I didn't think I was you know I would be able to do that but uh, when you have assembled that team I said oh no it is doable this is the way you do it and uh, that's how it came about very interesting thank you so much for sharing one tiny follow-up question is like Obviously, every case is different, and it's going to be unique to anyone listening. But, like, for yours, Dr. Hassan, how, about how long did the process take? Was it, like, a six-month process? Was it, like, a two-month process? Um, so, uh, so, yeah, so it all obviously touched on that. So everybody's situation is different. So yeah. I knew that the practice that I was working on uh that was a practice that I wanted to buy because I knew ins and out of it. So I know it's a, you know, very, uh, familiar, <coughs> familiar practice and, uh, very successful practice. So I was kind of set. So then it was just a matter of, you know, talking to the other guy about, you know, uh, valuation. And again, that valuation, you talk to the accountant, the accountant's like, okay, like 
this is the range and this isn't a new panel I talk about it but at the end of the day even that valuation is not going to make that much of a difference in your you know monthly loan payments it's just mm-hmm. going to be like you know maybe a few hundred dollars up and down that it's not going to change anything so it was a very easy process uh i want to say from start to finish you know two three months uh now it might be a little different if you have to look for a practice because um if you're working as an associate you know somewhere and now you want to buy a practice but not that practice then you got to make sure you know you're getting into a right setup or right practice then you know you'll be successful in it again like you're looking for a suburban practice or if it's an urban practice or you know because so that may take a while but uh but the process itself no it was super easy super valuable intel dr son um and i should say that though like i (laughs) for everybody who's worried about those student loans that like you know as soon as i bought the practice it was it was such a blessing and the first couple of years i was able to pay off all my debt so amazing yeah that i couldn't have done it if i stayed in you know an associate and worked for somebody you know uh i wouldn't have been able to do it like for another probably 15 20 years so yeah wow i I mean like i just want to emphasize everyone's road is different but this is just a, a exact case and an exact story of i would say the american dream Hassan. i would say so yeah Okay, well, let me ask you this. Did you make any changes when you became owner of the practice, whether they were small or big, whether they worked out or whether they didn't work out? Um, yeah, maybe a little, uh, you know, a small change. I mean, like, we had a good practice. You know, it was a well-oiled machine, like, you know, so that's why I was very successful in it to begin with. But then... When I took over, um, so you think everything would be easy, but I mean, it wasn't. Because the first Owning year, a business is tough. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then the first year, uh, it was a little different because the old doctor was still, you know, I asked him to stay around to kind of uh, show me the way a little Transition, bit. Yeah. yeah, show me the because I mean, like, I was very confident about my, you know, dentistry, but I didn't know anything about how to do payroll or like how are you you know dealing with insurance contracts things like that so so that first year was a little different than the second year I had my uh, I hired an associate and I got very lucky I had like a great associate and uh, she was great but then that first year uh, it was kind of again learning curve to know uh to know each other like what are the things that she's uh, you know doing very well on what are her strength and what are my strength and then as soon as we started you know uh getting good at that then covid happened <laughs> yeah and uh and uh, you know i remember when uh you know when they said okay like well, I came back from another vacation. <laughs> More than so I show, yeah, I show up on Monday, and then uh, one of my hygienists is kind of crying. He's like, "I don't know if I can work or what. What are we doing? Are we closing? Like the world is ending." And and I'm like, "Well, I don't know that either. Like we haven't heard anything from you know our 
other dentists, you know, from the ADA, unless there is a directive from, you know, somebody else, we're just taking cautions, all the, you know, our precautions that we take like every day and we're working. And then, day by day. And then that was Monday. And then the Tuesday, uh, ADA came with the recommendation that, oh, you should maybe, you know, close the office for a few weeks and like just for three weeks. And that three weeks turned into like eight weeks. Wow. And then you have to, as a kind of like a new business owner, you got to think about, uh, okay, so am I, gonna, how, how am I going to pay my, I mean, am I going to pay my staff? And then, you know, at that point, trying to know about, okay, the PPP loans, this and that. And then I had to like, you know, I many sleepless nights because yeah. I felt bad for my staff too. So, so I soon, and, and, and then I had to go bank to bank because my bank was a big bank and they didn't want to deal with me because I wasn't big enough. Yeah. So they wouldn't even take my application. So I had to go to some local banks to try to get that PPP loans and then, uh, pay all the staff during the time that we were shut down. So, so yeah, so those are the things that you don't know. Like the curve was like, yeah, yeah, but uh, but that's how you learn and how, that's how you get better. And I think I think just the takeaway from that is just asking for help when you need it, and uh, you know keeping your cool. Yeah, you know? keep yeah. just like when you're traveling, you got to keep your cool. Sometimes there's a lot of unknowns when you're traveling. Uh, so let me ask you this, Asan. Any way you'd like to take this? What's one X factor that separates you from other dentists? Oh well, I have I don't know i mean like i guess i'm really good with people like i mean like when i when i walk into an operatory like you know start talking to a patient i mean like i put that you know superhero mask and cape on and go to work and i try to do the best that anyone can do for that person so i think uh maybe that's one of my uh you know biggest traits uh and the other thing is, like, obviously, I mean, like, clinically, you have to be very good, and I and I've been blessed that I'm. I think like I'm really good at that, but but usually that's not the whole battle because you have to have that bedside manner. You have to make sure you know to keep your you know patients very comfortable and build that rapport and trust. So, uh, and back to your comment, you got to keep your cool because. At any time you work, like there's always, you know, things that could go wrong and then you don't want to say oops in front of a patient. Like, just keep your cool. Just keep your cool. Yeah, until uh, you find a solution and um, you can uh, fix the problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk, I'm going to talk more about the patients in a sec, but while we're on the topic of X factors, I've gotten a chance to know Asan a little bit. He's just a very interesting guy. And, um... You know, dentists love to vacation. You know, some dentists work harder than others, but they love to go on vacations. And you're one of these rare people, Asan, who's gone to all seven continents. And so you don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but I want to ask you about a favorite place you've gone on each continent. So, like, starting in North America, like, where's your favorite place in North America to go? In North America, I mean, it's got to be, I want to say it's got to be Utah. Interesting. I was I was thinking maybe you'd say Vegas, but to tell us like a couple sentences. Why Utah? Oh, the scenery, the national parks. You go to Zion or you Bryce, it's just 
or even like you know and utah like the 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 the, uh, the geography is mind-blowing like you could be in the desert and then like you drive two hours you'll be in a kind of forest and then like you go up on the mountain like two hour drives it's it's just beautiful breathtaking and i love the outdoors so that's why i would say like you know utah would uh how about uh how about south america South America. South America, I mean, like, I've been to a few countries down there. Uh, still uh, uh, on top of my list to, you know, uh, to go to Brazil. I haven't been to Brazil yet, but uh, I'm going to say Ecuador was, I mean, like, I went to Cuenca. It was just, like, beautiful place. And then, obviously, Galapagos Island is just, oh, you know, off the coast there. So, yeah, like, I think that will be my favorite place. Okay, tell me about Europe. Favorite place in Europe. <laughs> Toffer. Ah, uh, yeah. That, <laughs> um, it's just so different, though. Like, I mean, like, I've been to many places there. Um, if I have to say, like, I mean, obviously, I have a big city. I love London. Okay. It's, uh, you can never have a bad time in London, and the food is fantastic there. Uh, but also, I would say Russia. Uh, yeah. Uh, like St. Petersburg. It's such a good time there. It's uh, beautiful. And, but I guess that might be biased because I went there during the World Cup, so the whole experience was different. So, Was that was that twenty? 18 World Cup? That was the 2018 okay. World Cup, yes. Yeah, I heard. I mean, I had some friends go there when I was in Sweden, and I kind of kicking myself for not going on the trip, but they got to go, and they said it was unbelievable. Um, How about Africa, son? Africa. So, again, like, I haven't been to, I mean, like, I've been to, let's see, three or four countries in Africa. I mean, I've been to South Africa, again, for the World Cup. That was a Amazing. great time. Uh, but... I would say the best time that I had was in Egypt and yeah. going to the pyramids. Um, and I'm not a spiritual person, but like when you stand in front of that giant structure, you you either become spiritual or you turn into, okay, the aliens are real. <laughs> like, there is no way people actually made this. Like, uh, it, and, and, it, oh, and it takes you and it like, you know, my heart... Like, you go into the desert, you see those big pyramids, and then your heart starts, you know, beating. It's like, this is something much bigger than me. So, yes. And I don't know, if maybe if it's a, you know, it's a cemetery or it's a tomb or whatever, like, but but you could feel that weight when you walk in the, on those grounds. So. Man, yeah, I'm looking at going to Egypt, so I, I'm definitely going to have to pick your brain some more on that. Uh, what about Asia? Well, I mean, obviously I'm from Iran, so I still say, like, you know, Iran is a beautiful country. That will be one of the favorite places, but obviously it's kind of hard uh, with all the political stuff that is going on there. But ge- geographically, yeah, like Iran would be, a, you know, it is a beautiful place to visit. But uh, besides that, I want to say northern part of Vietnam. That was... Mm. Uh, I did have, I mean, like, again, like, I'm a very outdoorsy person, so wherever that you go that, you know, the, the scenery, you know, takes your breath away, uh, yeah, I'll take that. Okay, and then what about the oceanic region? 
Well, um, I still haven't been to New Zealand, even though I've been to Australia five times, and that's not an easy trek. But no. I have family there, so okay. it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, so my only, uh, you know, my uh, the only place that I've been has been Australia. Obviously, like, and it's a beautiful place. Uh, everything looks exotic there. Like, you know, there. Even critters that are running around, they all have these exotic colors of like mm. bright blue, yellow, orange, and nobody cares because they all see it. They all kind of like, oh, like this bird is like orange. Look at that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we see that all the time. Kind of like, you know, we see squirrels here and nobody like gets excited about it. But like with somebody who hasn't lived in uh, Australia, you travel there and everything is so colorful. Esan, what was it like going to Antarctica? And finally, yeah, the seventh continent. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, it was great. Um, so many penguins. <laughs> and when you think you've, uh, you know, seen enough penguins, you see another penguin and you kind of <laughs> stare at it. And you're like, oh, my God, they're just so cute. You can't yeah. just. But, uh, but no, like Antarctica was great because it's such a pristine, uh, untouched, vast, out of this world again. Like you feel like you know you're somewhere else and not on this planet because then you see that vastness and you're like okay like we are like really nothing on this planet so so that leads me to another question you know how space tourism is kind of scratching the surface right now mm -hmm. whether it's uh you know blue origin jeff bezos uh company has taken certain people up like jeff bezos went up there i, I saw they had michael strahan who's on a lot of talk shows mm -hmm. nfl guy he went up in a flight. So so let's say that's going to happen in the future. And then there's like Virgin Galactic as well, which goes like slightly below like what is called like legit space, I yeah. guess. Um, is that in your future as well? If I can afford it, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I think you're probably the first person I know who's going to go to space. That's I mean, I've conquered. I mean, like, I think I've conquered a lot. Like I've been to all seven continents on this planet. I'm a scuba diver, so I've been in the ocean. I'm a skydiver, so I jumped out of planes and balloons before. So I think the next step is naturally going to Mars, hopefully. The final frontier. <laughs> um, and, and Nissan, let me ask you this uh, before we move on to, to a question about the patients. Do you, can you just give us like a few travel tips? Because you've been to over 100 countries. Like, like, What are some like travel tips you might have or things that work for you just to... You've been on, you know, easy, easy travels, hard travels, like, like what, if you wouldn't mind sharing that with the audience. Yeah. So, uh, to me, uh, the biggest thing is, uh, don't set your expectations too high mm. and be ready to, you know, have a change in plan because plans are, uh, you know, like my girlfriend, like she loves to have plans and if plans like, you know, change, she gets frustrated, but, uh, but that's the biggest thing about travel. So sometimes you don't know, like you're in a corner of a world that you may not know the language you had, you know, something planned and, um, it may not have all like, for example, I was in Vietnam and we thought I was there with, you know, with another couple of friends and, uh, they had, they thought they booked a room for me too, and <laughs> they didn't. And we were saying that that's this one beautiful island, 
and uh so obviously they were a couple so they had a room and i'm like uh well obviously i don't want to sleep in the same one with you guys yeah so i ended up sleeping on a uh so it was for one night so i ended up sleeping on the beach on a like a beach bed that night and then i woke up in the morning with this sight of this huge scorpion right next to my face i open my eyes and i see this like scorpion i'm like uh, uh you know i swallowed and i started to like very slowly oh my God. back up and but it was fine i mean like now it's a story to talk about yeah uh, it's so, vietnam you said that was in vietnam yeah. yeah yeah wow um wow yeah that's crazy yeah man. so i mean like that you, you don't let that ruin the whole trip because we Absolutely were not, like yeah. we were we were there for like you know uh, two weeks different cities different parts of vietnam and uh, uh china so uh but yeah so one night yeah like if i have to you know sleep on a beach bed outside i mean like no big deal doesn't sound terrible yeah honestly yeah. like maybe not for the whole trip but one night yeah. it sounds like an experience like you're saying and i would agree with that in terms of the fluidity in plans like the more you, someone gave me some advice a long time ago, and it was like my freshman year of college, and luckily they gave it to me back then because I've carried the mindset this whole way. But the more you plan, the more likely you are to be disappointed. So it's like I think there's a, yeah. like, like certain amounts of planning is like a good thing. I'm not saying don't plan at all, but like you can't account for everything that's going to happen in, in your travels. And uh, I think that's tremendous advice. Like, what are some, like, must-haves for your, your travel bag and stuff? Like, do, do you use, like, a neck pillow on the plane and stuff? Uh, no, like, my biggest must-have is my iPad and my earphone that I could, you know, watch uh, movies uh, when I'm traveling. So that, that, to me, is the biggest thing. Otherwise, I really don't have a big must-have. Man, and I hate, to, I hate to say that, I hate to ask you this, but, like, yeah, you've done the World Cup. You've done like the the scuba diving, the skydiving. Is there one experience, if you had to pick one, or maybe like if you can't decide on one, like two or three, that really just stands out to you as like peak moment in Asan's yeah travels? Oh, Tell oh, me. I can definitely say the uh, skydiving. Uh, the first time that I skydived, so I have about like hundred forty jumps, uh, hundred forty times that i jumped out of an airplane <laughs> helicopter or a balloon yeah uh but that the reason for it is that i was trying to chase that feeling that i got the first time wow because the first time that i jumped out and i was and i didn't do it tandem it was just me so you jump out and um obviously you have a couple of instructors kind of holding on to you just to make sure you know you're stable and then you know when to pull your parachute and so when you jump out everything is so fast because you're coming down uh, you're falling for like you know 140 miles an hour everything is fast you're trying to make sure you know you're watching your altimeter and everything and then um at 5500 feet you pull that chute and then you look up the parachutes open everything slows and then you look and it was you know, right around sunset time, you look at Lake Michigan, you know, in the distance and everything is so serene. And then finally, you know, you have that parachute, so you're safe. Oh man, that feeling, that was one of the best wow. feelings in my whole life. Amazing. 
Wow, we could talk all day about that stuff, Hassan, but let's let's get back to dentistry for a sec. So, yeah. <clears throat> you know, what's one thing your patients have taught you over the years? Um, well, the biggest thing I would be that don't assume uh, from the looks of the patient how they are going to react. Uh, or what type of treatment they would like to have. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons. Like I've had, uh, you know, big bulky guys that are, you know, and they have tattoos all over them and I still afraid of needle that I'm like, uh, why? So that was a big surprise to me or like vice versa, like this really old, like, you know, 85 year old tiny old woman and she was like a fierce warrior like we took like all the teeth out placed a bunch of implants and she was like so good at it and you would think it would be like different and she would be very afraid or there was this guy that you know you would think um she can't afford you know you would assume from the looks that he wouldn't afford any you know type of treatment but then he got one of the you know biggest uh treatments with like implants and then uh, hybrid bridges and so yeah so like the biggest things i mean is just like just don't assume uh what type of patient you're having in your chair just by looking at them you got to talk to them and uh get to know them a little bit better that's great advice that's great advice dr san Next question, how important is it to work with a good dental lab and why is that important for dentists? Oh, it is an utmost important because most of the work that we do, especially if you're, you know, getting into prosthetics, like you are dependent on a good lab for a good result. And especially these days because, uh, I don't know, back in the day, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago, things are simpler. You only have, you know, full cast crowns or your PFM crowns and then just regular dentures and partial dentures. So uh, it wasn't, uh, I mean, like it still was very important, but uh, maybe you could have gone away with, a, you know, having a great lab technician because it was only a few things that they were doing, so they were doing it very well. Mm-hmm. Now, these days, treatment plans are very complicated. You could yeah. have you know implants you could have hybrid prosthesis you could have a partial that is you know hooking up to natural teeth and locators on implants so like when you have these you know complex uh prosthetic it makes it uh it's a necessity to have a dental lab that is very uh, experienced in doing these and they're very good at doing that because some of these uh you know prosthetics if you don't do that all the time uh you may not even you know uh know some of the uh nooks and crannies about it like you know the little details about it so who who do you have to ask your uh trusted uh lab technician yeah that's that's great uh feedback honestly yeah now the other thing about great labs are though uh that i've gone i, I have to say now we know uh if uh, like you know a lot of dentists they may think especially the younger ones because they don't know any better is that uh okay 
the PPO uh, fees are like, you know, the reimbursement rates are going down. So you may want to think about, okay, like I need to, you know, bring overhead costs down and you may want to go to the like, oh, one of the biggest thing will be your lab fees. And I'm like, oh, I would just want to go to the cheapest lab in town and then, you know, bring the costs down. But you definitely don't want to do that because when you do that, you one thing that you don't realize is that all the headaches and repeats that you get, like, you know, something that doesn't work or it's not up to your standards and then you're going to be unsatisfied and then your patient is not going to be satisfied. So, uh, so even when you think, okay, like I might be, you know, saving money here, but in the long run, when you look at it, you're not because you have to do some repeat works. You're going to have more headaches with that. So yeah, so find a good lab and have a great relationship with them and stick with them. And obviously New Art is the best lab in town in Milwaukee. So Man, that's kind words. Thank you so much. Uh, how about this, Hassan? Any direction you'd like to go with this question, this answer, do you have any advice for dentists to maximize success as we look towards the future? Um... I don't know where to take that. Uh, I want to say there are a few things come to my mind because our profession, even though we are the professional and we are the licensed professional, but our licensure is at the mercy of the politicians. So, so that brings uh, to me that, you know, one day they can decide, all right, you're not, licensed anymore so you can make a living so so to me uh organized dentistry be involved with organized dentistry with your you know local chapters and uh, make sure you have a voice that needs to be heard because as we get organized and we can talk about you know some of the things that are going on in madison or in washington uh because that will that will have direct effects on, on how we do our job and how we do get paid. So I think that's very that's important. Tremendous advice, Dr. Hassan. It's the first time we've heard that, but I, yeah. I can totally understand yeah, that. Is, that is very important. Uh, I think that would be the, uh, the, the biggest advice that I would, uh, you know, tell anyone. And the other thing is, uh, especially to young dentists, I would say don't be afraid of having your own practice. I know these corporate dentistries it's like you know changing the whole uh, uh landscape of our profession and it's kind of sad for me to see that you know have all these uh big hedge funds and uh, you know big uh corporation get all the profits and not yeah. leave much for other people you know in the dentistry like you know the professionals because we do most of the work so and way that you get rewarded with that is if you are your own boss hey no risk no reward fortune favors the bull it's yeah. a couple of my favorite uh phrases do you have any goals for the future son um well you know me like i would love to travel and i love to travel more and more so my goal is hopefully at some point i get to some point very soon i get to the place in my life that uh I could semi-retire and, you know, travel even more. Yeah. So it's a great goal we all aspire to. A couple of quick, quick hitter questions before we end. 
Um, you can just answer these anywhere you'd like, but try and keep it to like a, a sentence or two max. So, what's your favorite food? Uh, my favorite food. I mean, like off top of my mind, I would say pizza. Okay. I eat pizza a lot. <laughs> what's the first app you uh, open up in the morning? What's the first app? Instagram, obviously. What's uh, one of your favorite TV shows? Uh, the Sopranos, The Wire, those are the top two. I would say Breaking Bad, top three. So, yeah, I've, heard, I've seen Breaking Bad, but I've heard great things about the other two. Um, Apple Music or Spotify? Spotify. Okay. Um, what's a good book you've read? <laughs> a good book? Oh, uh, I don't read a lot of books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the last book that I read was the uh, uh, part of the uh, the book fifth of the uh, Game of Thrones series. Oh, uh, wow. the, yeah, the Storm of the Swords, I think, was it? Or yeah, the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What? What? Uh, what's a favorite class you've ever taken? Are we talking dentistry or in Anything general? you want, man. Could be when you're a kid, could be more recent. Or... Uh, favorite class. I don't know. Nothing really comes up to my mind right now. The class of life? I guess so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> life is a great teacher <laughs> like that. Um, what about this? Uh, do you have a favorite movie? Uh, Godfather. Okay. All three of them. A lot of people don't like Godfather 3. I love all three of them. So, Dr. Son, if you could start or pursue any charity, what would it be? Um, I would like to... Uh, like, I think the biggest thing is, uh, you know, for our future would be education. If people are educated... Uh, they will make better decisions for themselves. So um, my ch my passion would be, you know, help uh, people who are, you know, are struggling with education or they don't have the resources, uh, you know, making sure they help finish high school or, you know, get uh, better opportunities to go to college or any trade school. So, yeah. so I think that would be my uh, my passion. Any final thoughts? Um, I did. I just did my first podcast. I never thought I would say that. So yeah, thank you for uh, having me, KJ. Very welcome. You did a great job. This is one of my favorite interviews too. So, so I want to thank Dr. Hassan for joining us. Dr. Hassan, if someone wants to get in touch with you, like the listeners, where can they find you? Uh, I guess as I said, I usually uh i'm always on instagram so like and that's the first app i open so you can follow me on instagram uh eh underscore sunny s-u-n-n-y uh or you can always uh find me uh, you know uh the dental office of greek dental care so there you have Easy. it thanks so much for joining us dr san thank you everybody for listening it's been another great episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. Easiest way to help the show is just text it to a friend. We can all get a little bit better. So we'll talk to everybody soon. Until next time. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. If you'd like to contact the show, simply send us an email at dentallabpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us at life at newartdental on Instagram. Thank you for listening once again. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe and tell a friend. And until next time, we're out.